Well, I want to talk about prayer this morning, um, corporate prayer, personal prayer, the importance of prayer. And, you know, there's such things called habits, habits. We can have, uh, how many of you are in the habit of brushing your teeth in the morning? Let's hope so. <laughs> are you in the habit of having a shower regularly or a bath? Well, that's good. You know, habits are good. It can be good. They can be bad. And so, uh, you know, the Lord wants us to be free of ungodly habits, maybe addictions, maybe some things that were habits in your father or your mother that passed on to you. But there's really good godly habits that the Lord would like to uh, us to walk in. And I believe one of them is, is prayer and the disciplines, the disciplines that we can walk in that change our lives. Anybody watch anything of the Olympics this past year? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember how England did. Did it do well or not well? Okay. <laughs> Very good. Glad to hear it. Do you know that? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. In Israel, there's this place called uh, Caesarea, which is right on the Mediterranean uh, Sea. And Herod built this huge, phenomenal uh, complex there. You can still see the remnants of Herod's palace that was there, as well as what's called the Hippodrome. And the Hippodrome is the athletic track that the athletes would train on. And even now, uh, you can run that track, as well as the chariots were there. But Paul, for a period of time, was imprisoned in Caesarea. And he wrote these words to the Corinthian church. And just think about the fact that Paul, from the prison that was actually part of the palace, it was right cl close by the palace there in Caesarea, he could see that hippodrome. He could see the track where the athletes, and by the way, that's where the, the Olympics, so the Olympians, did you know, a little bit of trivia for you, did you know that it was only first place back there, and it was Herod, Herod the Great, who came up with first, second, and third place. He was the one who introduced first, second, and third. Okay, that's very important theological information for you to know. But this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, 1 Corinthians 9, 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown... Thus I run, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. It's like, what? Say what? Paul is looking at these athletes who are training hour after hour and day after day to get their body in phenomenal shape. For what? For, an Im for a perishable crown. Now, it's good to get your body in shape, by the way. <laughs> you would find this very hard to believe, but I actually used to be a bodybuilder. I know that's hilarious, isn't it? I had a trainer who trained me, and I was competing. Well, not co I wasn't on a big circuit competing, but I was this tough farm girl, lots of muscles, pitch hay, that sort of thing. And I remember being in the gym and, and doing squats, and all these guys would gather around. I was like, I can't believe a woman can squat that much. So uh, I did give it up because I didn't think it was consistent with following Jesus, at least at that time. It was too time-consuming. Uh, so I still actually, uh, I still work out. I do, I do have a gym membership. So I believe in taking care of your body. I do. 
But the fact is that if we're taking care of our body more than we're taking care of our soul and our spirit, there just might be a problem. Because of the fact that that is so temporal, and there is something that is greater, which is eternal, which is how, you know, where you're going to go, where we're going to go. And so Paul is saying, I discipline my stuff, but I discipline my body, but not so much about my, my athleticism as much as my spirit. Say the word discipline. He said, I discipline myself. Because, you know, you discipline yourself in these disciplines of God, and they have big payoff, big payoff, way more than even your athletic payoff or taking care of your body, and do take care of your body. So the disciplines, the habits that God wants us to get into that help set our life on a course of blessing and favor. And one of these is, in, I'll, I'll just name a few disciplines. For example... I like to soak every day, and I didn't used to soak every day. What does that mean? Like, really, you can call it tarrying or waiting on the Lord or being with God. And I actually have this iPod. It goes everywhere I go. This morning, uh, Bob, I think he's worried that I was sleeping in, is knocking on my door, and I'm soaking. I'm soaking. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I better get up. And I, I'm, I'm, my iPod is in, and just, uh, oh, I feel this presence of God. I like to start my day that way. And so it's just like, you know, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. And so as we wait on God and and our time of worship, and worship can be this. It's like, you're God, I'm not. I worship you, okay? Because what is worship? Worship is agreeing with who God is. We worship him because he's God. And so even, you know, putting that in our day, time in the word, I'm not going to major on that today, but oh my goodness, have time in the word. I remember it was Benny Hinn who was at our church, and he said, how many of you here have read the entire Bible? And I was so appalled to find out that 10% of the people raised their hands. Okay, I'm not going to do it this morning. But read the whole Bible, church. Seriously, read through the Bible. Don't just jump here, jump there. I said last uh, yesterday... Have a passage from the old that you read, like start in Genesis, start in Matthew, passage from the new, and read through, and you'll be amazed at how much you'll get out of it. And you know what I do? I read a psalm a day, read a, a proverb a day. Proverb a day keeps the doctor away, okay? So it's like there's one for every day of the month. But read your Bible, meditate on the Word. It's just awesome. It really is. It's better than any novel. And I, I smuggled Bibles into China when I was 19 years old and had Bibles in my bra and Bibles in my underwear because I was told they won't frisk you at the border. And so I was with Jackie Pullinger, and we, uh, we got through that day 500 Bibles and I remember everything is delivered at night underground because to the underground church, it was a secret, you know, secret mission kind of thing. We had to act like tourists during the day. But I, I, something gripped my heart on that trip because I thought, how many Bibles do I have at home that are collecting dust? Like five or six? And these guys are risking their life to get a Bible. They just would so love a Bible. Right now, a Partners in Harvest pastor is imprisoned in Izmir, Turkey. And he has not allowed his Bible. Do you know that that is tragic for him? He's really struggling with the fact. How much more so is it good for us to get the word of God in us? You know, my husband, God bless him, amazing man of God. But every night, 25 years, because our oldest son is 25 years old and our youngest is 13. 25 years, I've heard him every night 
teach the scriptures to our children and getting them to memorize passages. Do you know our kids, we have one daughter with a four-year theological degree, another one with a three-year theological degree. They just love the Bible. Hallelujah. I have another girl going for a theological degree in, in August of this year. They love the word of God, but every night, I, I, you know, I just feel to speak to fathers here today. Fathers, teach your children to love God. Teach your children the word of God. Fathers, step up in prayer for your kids. There's a gatekeeper anointing that you have as the spiritual head of a home to be able to put seeds inside of them. You know what I've seen in my many years of pastoring? I've seen that, you know, if um, you, you got a godly mom, hallelujah, that really does a lot, obviously, for a child. But if the father doesn't come to church, inevitably that child will stop going to church somewhere along the line. Because it's the father who often will set the spiritual climate and they'll watch the father. So take your kids to church. There's another discipline. There's another godly habit to get into. Well, you're here today, praise God. But come every week. You know, I'm so grateful my parents taught me to go to church to, you know, honor God. Even though I was raised in church that didn't really believe in prophecy and all that stuff that I got later. But I love the foundations that I was was given. So anyways, so uh, the word of God. But then habits of, you know, those of you who speak in tongues, shikararamasoka, use it, all right, use it, like as in, uh, you know, maybe when you're going for a walk, or you're driving your car, or whatever, make sure you use, I can quote you a few studies, because I I just uh, wrote a manuscript, this book isn't yet published, but it's coming out about prayer prophecy and the word of God, did you know um, that Dr. Carl Peterson in Tulsa did a, in Oral Roberts University, did a study of the brain in glossolalia, so speaking in tongues, that's what glossolalia means. There is two secretions that are secreted in the human brain that are not secreted by any other human activity, only glossolalia. And those secretions boost the immune system 35 to 40%. Shana masikarabo, come on. You feel a cold coming on? It's time to go start speaking in tongues. I'm talking to somebody here. Seriously. Like, I, I do that. If I feel something, oh, you know, I, I will take vitamin C, but I'll pray, and I start speaking more in tongues. It really does boost your immune system. Another study done by the University of Pennsylvania, they studied five women who were speaking in tongues, and they put scans on their brains and found that the frontal lobe of their brain had no activity while they were speaking, which is very unusual because the frontal lobe of your brain will be working when you're talking, when you're communicating. So this indicated that there was something to be like proving what these women were saying, that they weren't talking of their own words. They weren't talking of their own mind. They were talking of a spiritual language. And the last one that I know, this was again reported in a um, by the University of Pennsylvania, but it was done in the UK. 1,000 people were studied, and those who spoke in tongues on a regular basis were more joyful, and they had more peace in their life. All right, there you go. Okay. Let's get on. Uh, And so the daily habits, the daily walk that we have, and including this place of prayer. It's Luke 11, where the disciples by this time had raised some dead, or they had been out. The 70 had even been sent out. They would saw miracles. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Wow, these guys had seen some phenomenal things. Demons cast out, all of that. And then they come to Jesus. Verse 1, they see him praying. 
And the disciples said, teach us to pray. Wow, you mean you've been raising the dead and you've been healing the sick and casting out demons and you don't know how to pray? Teach us to pray. Church, a prayer is not just Christianity 101. This is also for us to advance into new levels of learning how to pray. Can anybody say amen? Are you guys alive? Yeah? Okay, awesome. You know, because seriously, this is incredible uh, uh, for us to, to get this inside of us, to say, you know what, from this day on, and this is my prayer, this is my prayer for you, my prayer for me too, I want to grow in my life of prayer. I want to grow my discipline life in prayer. Because how you shape things, I like what uh, Lou Engel says, history belongs to the intercessor. And don't just say, well, that's women's work. Men, you can be men of prayer too. I like King David. He was a phenomenal man of prayer. So Jesus teaches them here the, the Lord's Prayer, which is not just for us to only recite this, but it's a model. And by the way, he starts with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is worship. Then he goes into intercessory, give us this day our daily bread. And then he ends really with worship. To you be all the power and the glory in the kingdom. All right, so let's look at this. Let's look at prayer and this whole life, first of all, of personal prayer. And then we'd like to talk briefly about corporate prayer. Personal prayer, personal prayer, living a life of prayer. That's God's calling all of us to do this. If you would set aside time, schedule it, that would help you a lot right there. You know, Corey Ten Boom, do you guys know Corey Ten Boom? Nice Dutch woman, hey? She was a, uh, one of my heroes. Corey Ten Boom said this, have an appointment with the king and keep your appointment with the king. Put it in your schedule. You can't say you don't have time because that just means you're mismanaging your time. We all have 24 hours in a day. So you put it in there. Maybe it means getting up a little earlier. Maybe it means, I don't know, readjusting some things or changing some things. Or If you schedule it, you're much more likely to do it. And so, you know, having time, I prefer in the morning. Uh, David said in Psalm 63, morning by morning, I will seek you, O God. I prefer it in the morning, but maybe if it's better for some of you in, in the night, then that's okay. But just having your time... Uh, to be with the Lord is so crucial. Uh, you know, scheduling it, yes. Having a place to pray. Where, where do you pray? I don't know. Do, do yourself a favor. Turn off the TV. That will help a lot. Turn off the radio and get quiet. Uh, and by the way, put in your daily time, in, in your prayer time, have a time of just even listening to God, journaling, writing, hearing the voice of God. Father, what do you want to say to me today? You know, this two-way communication uh, so having a place, and, and this is one thing I, I briefly mentioned yesterday, but about prayer lists or, or what we can call decrees. Do you know how I kickstart my prayer time in the day? I actually pray the prayer of Jabez over every one of my family members. So the prayer of Jabez is, and by the way, that was tucked into a genealogy in First Chronicles 4. That's where I read your Bible. And even in a genealogy, you can get some good stuff. But there is the prayer of Jabez, First Chronicles 4.10 where he says this, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand might be with me and keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So I just insert the names of my kids, and, you know, it's a long list now that I have sons-in-laws and daughter-in-law and even three grandkids. 
It said, oh, Judah's my son. Oh, that you would bless Judah indeed, enlarge Judah's territory, that your hand might be with Judah, that you would keep Judah from evil. And I feel the anointing kicking in. So this is starting my prayer time. Might be a bit tired, might be a bit like, Ugh. but you know what? It's good to have things that you pray for every day. Did you know that? John 17, Jesus models this prayer, three levels of that prayer in John 17. Jesus prayed for himself. Did you know it's good to pray for yourself? Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, you can do it. Pray for yourself. Lord, you know, even some of my decrees are things like this. Um, I, 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 I am loved by God. I am a lover of God. I walk out the fullness of my calling and destiny. I have peace in my life. I am a woman that has favor. You know, just like with share The power of decreeing, of speaking. So it's a form of prayer. But how many of you know when Jesus healed the sick, he didn't say, Father, if it might be your will, please, Father, will you please come and heal this person? Did he say that? No, he decreed it. You know, demons go, healing come. So what is a decree? It's really when you know the will of God, you just speak it. You know, so it can be pure scripture. Pure scripture, or maybe it's a prophecy that you've had or whatever. You know, you just speak it. But if you will put that in your day, like your prayer list or your decrees and, and whatever it looks like for you. I have a bunch of them, but you know, you just come up with your own or some of it is pure scripture. Kickstart your prayer that way. And just being able to get those juices flowing. And yeah, obviously just tell God of your needs. Why wouldn't we in, in invoke the highest authority of any authority, the king of all kings and lord of all lords, to come and break into our lives in our day, right? Seriously. Like, why wouldn't we do that? Because, you know, it's available to us. So, um, as was mentioned, I have a Dutch background. My mother and father were both from Holland. And my mother crossed the ocean when she was 19. And, you know, uh, I can't imagine her you know, eating Gouda cheese, let's say, and crackers on that, I think it was like three weeks in that time, that was right after the war, to cross over the ocean to get there and find out, oh, you know, that crackers and cheese that you ate that ran out, you could have had, no, this didn't really happen to her, but I mean, you could have had all-you-can-eat buffet, morning, noon, and night. So in other words, we don't want to get to heaven and find out, wait a second, with my passage to heaven, you know, I had available to me all this unlimited power and, and blessing and triumph and fruitfulness. Why wouldn't we want to access that? Come on, somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, like, let's not just get our ticket to heaven and squeak in there, but let's, let's take a whole lot of people with us. By the way, I, you know one of my prayers, I'm not going to tell you how many, but I'm praying for a certain number of souls. It's a ridiculous number that I will bring into the kingdom of God through my witness before I leave this planet. Because I'm like, God, I want to live what you've got for me while I'm here. I want to live the fullness of it. And so prayer invokes God's help and his power and his direction and his limitless resources into our situation. Hello. Yes, it's true. You know, um, even praying, one of my prayers for my kids or declarations, I pray favor on them. Do you know that of our three oldest children, they had six scholarships between them. Just three kids, six scholarships. And our, our um, son, who is the youth pastor of the church we were in and a worship leader, 
And he also has this other management position in this, in this job. They keep promoting him. But the guy who hired him, he said to my husband one time, he said, you know, he said, I actually made a position for, for your son. Because he said, he said I, I saw the, the favor on that kid, and I wanted that favor in my company. Come on, church. That's just from praying favor, okay, on him. See, this is the thing, is that you will we'll access, we access God's limitless resources as we ask. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. And another thing that's really good and important is to pray the Bible. Take the Bible and pray it, you know, like, yeah, passages like that. But even in your daily meditation or you, you read a verse and you're like, oh, God, help this to be a reality in my life or help me to live this truth or, you know, just praying the word of God. It's a power, power in praying the word of God and asking in faith. Now, why don't we pray? You know, what, what are some hindrances to prayer? Has anybody read the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis? You know what I'm talking about? That's an amazing book, by the way. We just bought the uh, audio radio theater po- portion of it for my kids from Focus on the Family. But C.S. Lewis in that classic book, it's like a senior demon talking to a junior demon. And one of the things it says this, it says, interfere at any price and in any fashion when people start to pray for real prayer is lethal to our cause. Keep in mind that's from the perspective of a demon. So in other words, there is a warfare, there's a spiritual battle over your prayer life. Surprise! Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the enemy doesn't want you to pray. And when you've chosen to pray, the phone rings. There's some sort of tragedy or somebody will do this or do that. That's why it's important to take it first thing in the morning. That helps you. Don't be surprised. There is a warfare over your ability to pray. And so we press through that. We say, I'm, you know, we resist the devil and he will flee from us. And we do not receive that. And, and uh, how about also excuses? Like, oh, I'm too busy. You know, I'm too busy or I don't have enough time. And, and Dick Eastman, he said this. He's the man who leads every home for Christ. He said, in this restless and busy age, most of us live too much in public. We spend our spiritual strength and forget to renew it. We multiply engagement and curtail our prayers by an error of judgment or perhaps by the subtle force of inclination, which we mistake for necessity. We work when we ought to pray because to an active mind, work is easier than prayer. Whoa. Do we just fill, 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 fill our day with activities so that we actually crowd out that stillness to pray? You know, again, it's, the, it's pressing through that and warring into that place of prayer. I like what Charles Spurgeon said, the great preacher. He said, prayer in itself is an art which only the Holy Ghost can teach us. He's the giver of pray, prayer. Pray for prayer or pray until you can pray. Dick Eastman said it this way. To learn to pray, we must pray. <laughs> we learn prayer from deepest depths in prayer. Not necessarily from books or from teaching. So in other words, just do it. Hello. You just do it. You do it and you learn and you grow and you become greater. Now, prayer in our lives will absolutely change things, shift things, absolutely, in your heart and your life. Corporate prayer will also shift things on a big picture. And I believe that God is really calling the UK to continue to step up in prayer. Hello? And, and certainly in the, in the nations of the world. And by the way, I said this yesterday, and I believe, for example, I believe prophetically that 
Brexit is from the Lord. Now it's, uh, because I think God is trying to spare you of things to come. I really do. And if you don't have, if you have a problem with that, then I'm leaving today anyway. So don't worry about it. Um, because, uh, you know, there's things coming down, I believe, from uh, this coalition uh, that, that will not be good, will not be good for your country. So, but now we need to pray that things will actually carry on. And I pray that this will be completed. And even praying for your nation. So those are big things. Do you remember um, Reese Howells? Who remembers the life of Reese Howells? Some of you guys will remember. You know, amazing man of prayer uh, from this country. He was actually from Wales. But he was um, a phenomenal man of prayer. There's a great book called Reese Howell's Intercessor. But I want to just recount to you, for example, do you, the Battle of Britain, 1940, you would, you would know about that, right? And do you know that during the Battle of Britain, for one example, Reese Howells and his intercessors are crying out into travail of prayer. They're actually going around the clock, praying, praying, praying. Uh, in this time of war and during the, the Battle of Britain. This is a true story of the war memorials of the Battle of Britain. September 15th, 1940, Churchill's war memorial said this. Churchill said, what other reserves do we have? What other RAF do we have to send up to combat those German bombers coming in? And the answer was none. And his face went grave. But at the moment in that battle of Britain, when victory seemed sure for the Germans, mysteriously, check your history books, they turned around and went east. It's like, what? Why? And they were, by the way, the RAF were far outnumbered by those Luftwaffe, the German bombers. What was the deal? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I believe. It was God. Come on, church. And it was God. There was a phenomenal amount of prayer. Reese Howells being a major one. This Air Chief Marshal Lord Downing, he said this, even during the battle, re one realized from day to day how much external support was coming in. At the end of the battle, one had a sort of feeling that there had been some special divine intervention to alter some sequence of events which would have otherwise occurred. Churchill came up with this famous saying, never has so much been owed by so many to so few. Speaking of the RAF, but I believe that it can apply to the intercessors. Come on. Never has so much been owed by so many to so few. The people who will actually pray. The people who invoke God and, and cry out for the open heavens, for the Lord to break in. So when I was, uh, um, you know, like loving God and had an adequate sort of prayer life, the Lord began to speak to John and I about increasing our prayer life. And we, uh, I had this visitation, I was sharing yesterday, this little uh, praying mantis, little insect with his hands raised in prayer every day at my door for three weeks. I'm like, are you trying to tell me to pray more? He's like, yes, I am. Anyway, so we uh, moved in 2003 to Stratford to be the senior pastors of the church there, a city with phenomenal issues of drugs in the high schools. Um, the Freemasonry was the, like, the, the city was founded, the streets were founded on the Freemasonry symbol. I would feel this band around my head, and I'm like, God, this is horrible. Like, why would you, the church is doing horribly, and, you know, that's why they sent us there, to resurrect the church. And I'm like, God... <laughs> I don't like this assignment. And he said to me, one of the first things the Lord said this. He said, I do not send you out to war to lose. I send you out to war to win. So I was like, okay, change my thinking, change my thinking. All right, God, well, how do you win then? And he spoke this. He said, pray. Worship me. 
declare I'm Lord of the city and pray. So I'm like, okay, all right, we'll do that. So John and I gave our mornings to the Lord, 8 a.m. till 11.30, Monday to Friday, and we just began to pray. And just the two of us at first, and I remember one time, sometimes it's just pure obedience, like, oh my goodness, it's hard, and you know, come Holy Spirit. And then other times it'd be like we'd hit that sweet spot, you know, and just, oh wow, you're really here, God. And just kept pressing in and pressing in. And then the Lord came one day, like a cloud of glory. And he said this, I want you to live and teach and do the tabernacle of David. And I'm like, well, what is the tabernacle of David? I knew it was in the Bible, but I was the Lord. I knew that was the Lord. It was a very clear word from God. So I studied, and I don't have time to go over it. But let me just say this, that David, when he finally became king of all of Israel, he went after the embodiment of the glory and presence of God, which was what at that day? What, what contained the glory of God? The Ark of the Covenant. So he goes after the Ark of the Covenant to bring it into Jerusalem. All right. Now, this is an interesting story if you read about it, because first he does it the wrong way, which was the cart with the oxen. Uzzah stretches out his hand. He gets struck down dead. It's in the house of a guy named Obed-Edom for three months. He's so ridiculously blessed. David goes after the Ark again. This time he does it the right way, which was how? Transport the right way. Right. Of who? Of the priests. That's important. So he's got these, he's carrying the ark now on the shoulders of the priests. And by the way, who are today's priests? We are. That's, I can establish that from the Bible, but we are the today's priests. Who helps usher in the glory? We do. How do we do that? Through our worship and through our prayer. Do you know when you pray, when you worship, there's transactions that happen in the spirit realm? There's a binding of the demonic and there's a loosening of the angelic. And so if you especially come into corporate prayer, you'll have corporate results. You will see so much happen by one person praying, but you'll see more happen when there's a corporate cry. So as we began to, um, took that prayer meeting from our home to the church, other people started to come. We started to pray uh, regularly. We actually went for 24-7 for a period of time in Stratford. But let me say what happened is that city and church got so turned around, it was mind-boggling. Like, seriously, drug houses began to blow up or get discovered by police. The top drug dealer of the city of Stratford, who dealt all the drugs to the high school schools, came to our church and got saved. He was a 33-degree mason, and he got saved in our church. He asked my husband to go with him to the police to re repent of his sins. They put him in jail, but he was saved in jail. That took out the main supply of drugs to the high schools. I'm not joking. I read an article in the local newspaper that said, what is it that's happening in Stratford? Because the, the war on drugs is being won. It's, like, it's prayer. That's why. Anyways, and then what also happened is the mayor of the city of Stratford came to my husband and said, can you help me start a mayor's prayer? breakfast. We're like, we didn't even think about that one, but that's a good idea. So we started a mayor's prayer breakfast with 300 of the city's top business leaders and political leaders and church leaders. So all these businessmen and, and you know, 300, they came and they would hear the gospel. And, and by the way, I still have this in my notes, so I thought I'd just show you. This is the mayor's office, put up by the mayor's office in Stratford. That's the city of Stratford emblem by the mayor's office for one of the prayer breakfasts. Right here it says, Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, how many mayor's offices do that sort of thing? 
I mean, it was crazy. Our church just tripled in size, presence of God. My husband became the president of the Council of Churches, so he gathered all the all the other pastors of the city, and they started a weekly prayer meeting amongst themselves, and there was more unity, and it was crazy. And that's why Toronto said, okay, we want you back in Toronto to pastor and to start the House of Prayer. So we started the House of Prayer in Toronto in September of 2011. The church has gone from 420 people to 1,000, and now we're already going into a second service as of September. But why am I saying that? To the glory of God. I just want to make it clear. But let me say this. When you begin to pray, you begin to ask God to come. His presence comes. He comes in glory, and we are the ones. You know, I love what uh, David Young Cho said. He said, in order to have revival, you need to pray. And then to, if you want to sustain revival, you need to pray. Okay, this is the, the pastor of, you know, one of the largest churches in the world in Seoul, Korea. So, um, I mean, I am sold, all right? I know that the Lord has put this on my life. And until he comes again or takes me home, I will be part of building and sustaining houses of prayer. We have 26 hours a week of full teams. Uh, uh, about 90 people are on our team and the presence of God keeps coming. And his presence is what sustains us. I have a daughter on staff at IHOP. And she and her husband lead the house of prayer at IHOP from 6 p.m. till midnight, five nights a week. How do you get a beautiful 23-year-old and uh, to, to you know, be in this place of prayer again and again? Because God shows up. That's why his presence, his glory. <laughs> I'm just thinking this story. My husband just told me that. They were watching the web stream because there is a live web stream of IHOP's prayer meeting. And so there's our daughter and they're seeing her on the web stream. You know, she's pacing back and forth. And so they texted her and say, hey, Gabriel, we're watching the web stream and there you are. So then she starts, she looks up at the camera and she sticks out her tongue. I'm like, oh my goodness. All, all the people watching the web stream are wondering, what's the matter with this girl? She, she, was, she was joking, obviously. But anyways... You can go on to the live web stream, ihopkc.org, and click per room you, any time of night or any time of day. But the, let me just give you a few stats, because what, what, what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Amos 9-11, repeated in Acts 15, in the last days, I'll rebuild the tabernacle of David. And it goes on to say that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. The plowman will overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. What is this onto? This is onto Jesus' return, but it's onto a harvest of souls. Souls. That's, there's a big thing right there. And by the way, we're I, I, seeing at least, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight people saved a week in Toronto. A week. That's how many people are coming in, coming in. The harvest is being, uh, you know, I believe that we're in a phenomenal time. And God is doing just like he said. Is he building a tent? No. But it's the spirit and the values and the principles, the prayer movement, the crying out, the, the corporate cry. It's unto come, Jesus, come. Here are some stats for you. In 1984, the number of 24-7, by the way, I'm not saying you have to be 24-7. Ours is not 24-7. It's not necessarily that you have to be a 24-7 house of prayer, but you just the, have a prayer meeting for heaven's sakes. What did Jesus say about this church? He was upset when the money changers were there, didn't he? He said, my house, my father's house should be called what? A house of prayer. He's quoting Isaiah 56, 7. My house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. 
that's the basis what we should be having in what we call our churches or temples of the Lord. In 1984, the number of 24-7 houses of prayer in the world was fewer than 25. Today, it is at least 10,000. And uh, that's a conservative estimate. Estimates are more like 20,000. That's a big difference from 25, don't you think? In South Korea, it's clearly been leading the prayer movement in the last 50 years. In 1973, David Yang Cho uh, established the Prayer Mountain, so they've been going 24-7 since that time. In Indonesia, more than 5 million intercessors from all over the country are involved in the National Prayer Network. In China, there's literally thousands of 24-7 prayer chains established throughout the People's Republic of China. In Israel, today, there's eight prayer rooms in Jerusalem that seek to organize 24-7 prayer, including Sukkot Halal. I go there fair often. The prayer pavilion, the Korean house of prayer. In Egypt, Pastor Shama Maurice leads a well-known Monday night meeting for which 2,000 people pray every week. In the UK, under Pete Gearing's leadership, the 24-7 movement spread across Europe to 28 nations. They've established more than 100 prayer communities, some called boiler rooms. In Germany, the Augsburg House of Prayer, I know that guy, Johannes Hartl, started and functioning. They have 24-7 prayer there. The Netherlands, I'm going to be speaking to these guys next month. Uh, there's 43 houses of prayer in Holland, led by uh, the leader is a man by the name of a friend of mine, Robin van Omen. And the, do you know that the House of Prayer that's in the Red Light District, which I was part of helping to get it started, do you know since the prayer House of Prayer that's in the Red Light District has started, the Red Light District has already been at least one-third of it is closed down. They've turned into shops or they've turned into little coffee houses or, or things like that. In Africa, Nigeria, which sometimes has a million in attendance, have all-night prayer meetings. It goes on about South Africa. Thousands of 24-7 prayer rooms have been established in townships and cities led by many different prayer um, ministries working together. In the U.S., there's 400 houses of prayer in the U.S. In addition, there are 1,000 uh, prayer rooms in university campuses. Mexico, my son-in-law's name is in this book. Benjamin Nunez, that's my son-in-law. He started a house of prayer in his university campus that hosted prayer meetings for six hours a day. Within 10 years, his team helped to start 72 more houses of prayer in Mexico. In Canada, we have the Ottawa National House of Prayer that's praying for our government. We have some 50 houses of prayer across, across Canada, including another uh, 25 in uh, university campuses. In Brazil, 35 houses of prayer have been started in Brazil. We could go on and on and on, talk about ministries like the call. And Do you think something's up? Do you think maybe that Jesus might be just coming soon? <laughs> I think so. And I believe that God is really establishing what he said he would do in the last days. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. So that's a corporate place of prayer. But what about your personal place of prayer? That's where God is saying, in your home, speak blessing. In your, in your own personal life, cry out and invoke the blessings of the Lord. Even You know what? I just think I'm going to share this because... I, I'm going to end with this. How many of you know that, uh, that do you know what happens in, in um, Shabbat, the, day, uh, the weekly? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been to Israel? Who's been to Israel? Have you noticed on Friday night, Saturday, everything shuts down? Yeah? Why? Shabbat, right? What happens at Shabbat? In Shabbat, uh, I'll tell you in a moment, but listen to these stats. Jews make up 2% of the population of the United States of America, 
40% of the top richest Americans are Jewish. One-third of American millionaires are Jewish. 20% of professionals at leading universities are Jewish. 40% of partners in the leading law firms of New York and Washington are Jewish. 30% of Nobel Peace Prize winners in America are Jewish. And we could go on and on. Israel, how many years is it now? 60, since 1948. They've been a nation this year than 69 years. Listen to this. It's one of the smallest countries in the world with less than one one-thousandth of the world's population lays claim to the following. It's the largest immigrant-absorbing nation per capita in the world. It has more Nobel Peace uh, Prize winners per capita than any other country in the world. It's got the eighth longest life expectancy. Scientific institutions ranked third in the world. Space discoveries second in the world. Scientific papers they've produced is more than any other nation per capita in the world. Third highest for female entrepreneurs. 93% of homes use solar energy for hot water. That's the highest in the world. Its $100 billion economy is higher than any of the neighboring nations. Its uh, highest ratio of university degrees to the population in the world. Outside the United States, it's got the largest number of NASDAQ-listed companies. And it has, per population, the largest number of startup companies in the world. Highest concentration of high-tech companies in the world outside of Silicon Valley in the United States. It's ranked number one in the world for venture capital. Cell phone was developed in Israel as well as many medical discoveries. With over 25% of its workforce employed in technical professions, Israel places first in this category as well. On and on and on. I could give you more stats. Why? Why? Well, I believe God, obviously. But you know what happens at Shabbat? Every Friday night, that father is praying a blessing over every one of his children and over his wife. They pray and they bless and they impart vision. Do you know that that Jewish child is, is not raised to think in terms of, I should get a job at the bank. They're thinking, I should own that bank. They're not thinking, I should get a job at the movie studio. I should be an owner of a movie studio or be a director to produce award-winning films, and that's exactly what they do. Come on, church, I'm talking to somebody. It's the, it's the blessing, it's the praying, it's the, you know, the invoking, even for many of them, they don't even know Yeshua, but they're still blessed by praying over their kids and blessing their kids, and there's, there's power in this if we will just do it. Let's all stand up.